Good afternoon, you are listening to Resonance 104.4 FM and this is Art Then and Now with me, your host, Anna Gammons. This is the show where we explore art from the past and art from the present to understand how we as humans have expressed ourselves through time. Now this week I have Sophia Daly-Rossin, sculptor and prop maker for film and art fabrication here with me in the studio and we are going to be speaking about her transition away from fine art into the world of 3D and some of the weird and wonderful things she's had to make in the name of TV and film. But first, I thought it'd be fun to review some of the props from one of the most iconic and worldwide franchises, Harry Potter. <laughs> now, I can only go so long without bringing up Harry Potter on Art Then and Now, and I think I've done pretty well. But if, whether you're a huge fan like me or not, you can't really disagree that the magic was very much brought to life by the incredible set design and prop making of the seven films and the mythical creatures particularly in that franchise as well. It began in 2001 where the props at the early state, well, the CGI was still kind of finding its feet and that was only 20 years ago. And now how far CGI has come since then, I guess there is sort of that changes how props are actually used, I suppose, on set. But prop master Barry Wilkinson was responsible for 5,000 pieces of furniture, 17 Ford uh, cars that were for the second film. And they filled five warehouses with over 12,000 handmade books as well, which is absolutely crazy you can view a large amount of the props at warner bros studios tour in london and there is the complete model of hogwarts school of witchcraft and wizardry as well which was used for eight films and there's some other non-creature examples as well there's the huge drawer of the chamber of secrets which had seven retracting snakes in it which was an actual physical mechanical design and also the Gringotts vault door as well, which is a hinging device that was actually made too. But to quickly run through some facts on the mythical creatures. So we've got Buckbeak, where there were three designs made, one of him rearing, one standing up and one lying down as well. It took over a year for them to be created. But they also took inspiration from real birds and the golden eagle particularly, and also veterinarian advice as well. So obviously they have to gain an idea of how the animal might work and function. And um, so, yeah, for the for the Prisoner of Azkaban, this was the main uh, use where Harry rides Buckbeak twice, once at the beginning, once at the end. And um, he features quite a lot. But the full-scale version was over seven feet tall, which is absolutely phenomenal. And of course, we've got the Basilisk from the Chamber of Secrets, which was a kind of, there was a full-sized mouth created, which again is part of the Harry Potter studio tour, which was up to 30 feet long with a jaw of three feet deep which is absolutely ludicrous um and yeah it <laughs> quite quite incredible it was made from resin um the sorry the incisors were made from resin which was poured into a mold and then painted um and apparently there were quite a few of them as well and then of course you've got Aragog as well who is features in the second film I believe Chamber of Secrets and then somewhere near the end I believe um Aragog is also featured too when um when the big plot is revealed oh no I'm I'm wrong it is definitely the first one but it's an it's 18 foot spider which appears in Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets it was operated by 15 technicians and puppets which is absolutely crazy but the leg span as I said over 18 feet long and there were many kind of things used to create it like broom bristles um, and apparently there were pieces of coconut at the centre of the feathers as well um, 
which is crazy. And I said 15 people to operate to. Um, but yeah, that is absolutely uh, madness. You think about how much effort goes into um, those props as well. And of course, the CGI um, emphasizes certain areas too. But yeah, an incredible amount of work from an incredibly talented group of people. Okay, so I am here with Sophia Daly Rossin, who is a sculptor, prop maker for film and art fabrication. Hi, Sophia. Hello, hi. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Good. Very well. Thank you for coming all this way because I know you're currently working up north. So Yes. <laughs> you all the way to London. So, okay, let's start with the basics then. Um, how, well, actually, let's sort of describe your work for the listeners because I think it also happens it can be good to have an idea when you're listening mm -hmm. uh, of the visuality of what you do. So mm -hmm. can you talk us through some sure. of your work? Well, um, I've been working in London for the last uh, seven years. So I've I found myself making predominantly sculptures, clay sculptures of animals, big animals. They go to museums and so they cool. can go from very small, from frogs to big whales to octopuses to pandas. And um, so I do a lot of animals. Um, but then I also do a lot of animals using fur and feathers. Um, I I got into taxidermy a while back, and then that and then I got fascinating. and then I got uh, <laughs> picked up to you to carry on um, working with fur or feathers, but not in a taxidermy classical way. Right. So making also lots of animals for museums around the world, and yeah, making them as realistic as possible, but not using proper like old school taxidermy. Sure. So you don't have any of the bones in there or anything. And then um, another area I do, I do replicas. So that's making stuff for film. Mm -hmm. um, always a lot of horror film. Always how to kill people with really weird stuff. With some strange props, I imagine. Yeah. That is going to be one of my questions. Yeah, it's going to okay. be, what weird stuff have you had to make, Yeah, and then um, other things that I do. I do sort of um, soft fabrication. So that's lots of random bits and pieces, mm. weird costumes, weird random things people mm. so I'm working with my hands sort of material problem solving mm -hmm. how to make something yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah that's so interesting I have so many side questions based <laughs> on just what you've said already like I want to be like taxidermy what like um, you said it's not traditional taxidermy this, what is the difference well <laughs> oh God, this, this is a this is a whole thing in itself <laughs> uh, taxidermy is like when you you take the skin off an animal yeah. and and you then make uh, a body and then you put it back on again but um you it's 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 quite a delicate process and you can have horribly gone wrong taxidermy mm. there's a whole world of bad taxidermy out imagine. there <laughs> um but that's um it's quite an old uh skill uh, an old um, technique um but when I say prop taxidermy, we're not taking off a dead animal. We're just sourcing fur or feathers or fake fur or fake feathers. Right. We're making a sculpture of the, and then we're, we're working out how to put the fur or the fe or how to dress it. Sure. And like flocking as well. Like when you create a static and fur and you try to make it look realistic, but without so killing an animal, taking sure. it apart or, you know yeah, what I mean, yeah. or recycling an animal if you want to see it that way. Oh my goodness. That I mean, that's how, I, that's how I taught myself was on like game like my boyfriend would cook the rabbit and I would learn how to skin it. Or... Oh my God. <laughs> That's so, absolutely fantastic. Off a YouTube video as well in the middle of Spain <laughs> learning how Your to skin it. history must be concerning. No, yeah. that is absolutely, that is so interesting. That is so fascinating. And, and to be honest, I didn't really think about how, how would one would create an animal to make it look realistic. You don't really think about it. You yeah. think, oh, you must use plastics and things like that. But I suppose to make an animal behave and, and look as it would makes sense. Yeah, you're just trying to the, get the finish to look mm. as realistic as possible. But sure. obviously, more sensitive about the materials that you use, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and I've seen the giant octopus as well that you created. That was on your yes. website. Incredibly impressive. Yeah, I was quite get... happy with that piece. I love that. that Where was... did that end up going? That went to the Prague Natural History Museum. Mm. Um, I definitely think that's one of my favourite pieces. Yeah. And it's huge, right? How, yeah. How big? Uh, it's probably about uh, three metres by about two metres oh high. Oh, my But I, the thing that's really complicated with that is because he's got, like, eight legs, um, mm. that is making clay sculptures mm. when it's it hasn't got much structural support. So you really have to think right. about how you're doing the inside before you put mm. the clay on the top, which is a te- uh, for the textures. And then yeah. some poor assistant that had to work for me banging out su- <laughs> uh, suckers at different sizes. Oh, my goodness. Because yeah, they go, course, they increase. Tiny to be. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my so God. This poor assistant was like uh, <laughs> how many more trays of suckers do you want and I was like could you tweak Something them a little bit you don't bit? hear every day I imagine that is absolutely yeah. interesting but the finished and product is incredible yeah you know the, um, I did laugh there's this Indian vegetable it's called a Corolla Corolla mm. and it's a really good texture and I was out one day and I was like ah oh, that is the texture of this octopus that I need <laughs> so I took I took this cucumber wow. into, into work and made a sort of a, a skin a silicon texture pad to then like cover this octopus in. So he's all sponsored by a cucumber. Oh, I love that. What? An Indian cucumber. That's incredible. <laughs> I also love the fact that people often say to artists, where'd you get your influence from? And like, you know, where did that idea come yeah. from? And you're like, well, I was, uh, I found this Indian vegetable and then took it from there. Yeah. I, think oh, I love that. Yeah, it's in oh Sheffield my. or something. Oh my God. That's fantastic. Uh, right. Well, my, my, Next. I feel like there's so many things I want to follow up with based yeah. on just that. So how did you become a freelance sculpture and prop maker? Because... I know that you had a transition from something else. So what's the story yeah. behind how you're doing what you're doing um, now? Uh, let's, keeping it more brief. <laughs> um, <laughs> my, I went, I was very much wanting to be an artist. Like um, I had left Bristol and I had gone to study in Venice. My mum's Italian and she was like, you are going to learn the classical <laughs> art. And I was like, okay. Amazing. So that was three years with a pencil, learning how to draw and all the cl- paint and, yeah. you know, proportions of David. Yeah, I was uh, saying, yeah. she, I'm sure, took it. Uh, yeah. And then, um, and then I moved into going to Barcelona. I found this really cool contemporary art course. Uh, and then I got stuck in Barcelona, as you do, for about mm. five years. Um, and it was in that period when I started working for other uh, sculpture artists, who quite well-known guy, Samuel Salcedo. He was really more sort of my mentor because mm. that's when I started working hands-on and learning more sort of three-dimensional stuff mm. like sculpture and making all his art and working uh, for a guy called Sixer. He's quite a well-known graffiti artist. And he, mm. So he does, I mean, used to just make some sculptures for him. And um, a guy called Gianfranco Maggiato, he did bronze, big wow. bronze sculptures. So it was starting to become more 3D. And then... Um, I was like, okay, I, I want to be a, a sculpture artist. Mm. And I, I got set up in Barcelona. I found myself a big warehouse, uh, made it into studios, living in studios. Um, so like your life's a bit like a film. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> um, I wish. No. I just wish I had some music in the background. Yeah, I think that's like, all this needs. Yeah. Well, it was fine. We'll do it in post. Okay. <laughs> um, so I was, I guess, um, it sort of changed when I came to London, which was seven years ago. And I, um, so it was, my, my art was going great. I don't know why I went wrong, as in I 
was doing quite well in Barcelona. Mm. I was with a good gallery, um, going to art fairs around Europe. And I was like, I know, I will go to a bigger pond and mm -hmm. and it will work out. And I got to London and people were like, uh, no, we don't know who you are. We, we're not interested. Yeah, London has that ability <laughs> to, to crush one's soul occasionally. <laughs> yes, it does. After some beautiful mm -hmm. hot weather, I'm walking around looking for galleries. In the rain. Trying to sell myself, going, mm -hmm. this is not working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for about a year. Mm. And then... And then, how did it come into film? Well, um, I I was a trainee on uh, through a friend of a friend who was a production designer. So I worked on a film as a trainee, and I started seeing all the stuff that they needed making. And then I was like, "Hey, I I could make this." I sort of taught myself like mm. um, how to props. be useful and yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> so but the the prop making, so the replica, this whole like right. making one yeah, thing yeah, look yeah. like something else, so you don't hurt the actor. They were mm. like, "Okay, we need this." Can you make this plastic bucket look like metal? So when it gets hit over the head, yeah, you know what I mean. It's not going to hurt, but it's going to look like yeah. It like, did. can we have some rocks uh, made out of sponges? Okay, uh, you know. So we stone this person to death. Yes. It doesn't actually hurt. <laughs> yeah, serious. God. I've had to make garden shovels look like out of metal, but they're oh made out of foam, uh, plastic, like uh, rubber knives. So look many like murder weapons. Yeah, it's always really like. Dark Got, stuff. Yeah, killed with a glass paperweight, which was a made out of a sponge. Oh my goodness. <laughs> anyway, so um, so, so that's how I got into the sort of the film bit, and then I and then I worked. Well, then I've been working for about a company on and off for about four years. MDM Props, mm -hmm. a really big art fabrication company, mm -hmm. and they do a lot of these animals and these museum jobs. Um, so where they were at the time. They were doing a natural history museum project for in Saudi, mm. and they needed fur and feathers. And when they saw uh, that you'd done that, that I'd done yeah, that because yeah. I that I incorporated that in my fine art before, and they were like, "Come, um, great!" And they gave me like a big, what was it, a giant heron the first day I came in. They're like, "Oh, can you please make this?" And I was like, "Uh, uh, okay." <laughs> where did you Where did you start with that project? I don't know. It's baffling to me. Uh, well, you don't know where you are as well, so you don't know what the resources you no, have are. No, I hadn't. I had. A, I'd always been working for myself in a studio without other people. Yeah. So the some sort of etiquette of just you know, yeah, working with people like you know office politics. There's also warehouse politics. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Don't annoy the metal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't be loud on a Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Try not to make this. Don't take this toxic material to the wrong room and then fuck up somebody's tools. If you're using fire, <laughs> contain it well. <laughs> yeah, so um, so I had not worked with other people. I'd worked most in my studio making mm. my stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, so that was thrown in at the deep end to, to make this. this in Dubai you were in. No, you? no, the, the, it, I actually did go to wait to Kuwait to install some animals, but that's right. another story. Okay, so um, but you but were this, in the UK making it? Yes, this okay, is it. Okay, but, okay. Um, it was for a natural history museum in right. Saudi Arabia. Oh, okay, understood. Right. Yeah, so it was quite a big job. It lasted oh. for about uh, just under a year, so there was a lot of us making lots of animals. Um, wow. And you had to find, did you have to find an original heron and then do No, no. Like <laughs> well, I had to research, <laughs> like, you know, how herons stand, walk, move, yeah. their posture, their legs, details. Um, mm. And then I was dyeing feathers, like I was buying feathers on batch and trying to, uh, because it's quite subtle. Emulate the colours. And, yeah, and the feather, feathers change shape. Um, so, you know, along the neck, they'll become long and thin. So mm. you're trying to 
you know, you've got cockerel feathers on the neck, mm-hmm. you've got goose feathers on his ass. You right, know. yeah, 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 yeah. So you're, that is actually, so you're trying to, you, you know, because... Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, well, okay, my next question is, what are some of the strange things you've been <laughs> asked to make? But we've kind of covered a lot of murder weapons so far, so I feel uh, like anything funny, weirder than that? <laughs> Probably other, not. Other, other weirder things than that? Um... The recent one I did that made me laugh a lot was the turkey and the potato mm-hmm. um, for like a Greenpeace advert, that which is really, really good fun. I think that was just laughing a lot. I remember you telling me this briefly. Run, run through the story again. Ah, uh, it was I just think this is the great. thing is, So I work out of my studio for myself and then I also freelance um, for uh, big prop companies where the more of the sculpture jobs that take like the high spec work that takes mm. a longer period of time mm-hmm. um, that I tend to freelance uh, for big companies who, who specialize in that and but also work for MD is it yeah M- so they're yeah. one of them for example um, right. but then I have my own studio in London and um, so I also have my own clients and contacts and mm-hmm. I make things quickly you know mm-hmm. that's always like can you do this quickly <laughs> and you're like oh yes okay <laughs> and it was it was a couple of days to make uh, that's probably the most common ask yes, isn't it isn't how it? quick can you do this isn't it cheap quick and well and you're like you can't get yeah, all I know. three what are people doing yeah so that was that was just a very funny costume and but yeah. i think it's because at the time i was working with a really good friend of mine mm. so you know having a really um collaborating with um, somebody who get on very yeah. well with makes yeah, yeah, the process yeah, yeah, yeah. really, really quick, really, really enjoyable. Um, and we had a lot of laughs, um, you know, yeah. uh, making that. And it, it was a costume, wasn't it? As he it said, was a like, costume. So there's a chicken costume and then a potato it was, costume. It was for it was a life size. Uh, yeah, because two <laughs> well-known comedians don't ask me their name now. Uh, <laughs> I had to. I had to do. It was for a commercial for Greenpeace. It was a. Right. It was a. Um, there were stand-up comedians arguing about. Well, obviously, to help sort of not deforestation, all these mm-hmm. environmental issues, but what turkey, uh, what Christmas dinners do to, because it was for oh, a I see. Christmas dinner, is this correct? Yes. Or was it Thanksgiving? I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> when's it, when do you eat a turkey and a potato at Thanksgiving? Yeah, I'm going to say and Christmas, Christmas, right? And Christmas. Okay, so it's a Christmas. Yeah. Christmas it was a Christmas ad. That was it. Fair. Um, and so it, it was a yeah. so it was a quick turnaround. So yeah, oh trying God, to that's brilliant. Yeah, life size chicken costume that is great. Yeah, no, was, that, yeah. that definitely answers my question you, of one of the weirdest things. Do you remember like um, the Mighty Boosh? The the, uh, the vaguely series. yes. So yes. Th- their props were hilarious. They're mm-hmm. always really cheap, really funny, and really ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. It, they didn't have to look good. So they were like, yeah, we kind of want it like that. But so don't make I, it too clever, please. Yeah. So I was putting like I was putting like rice in like plastic in uh, balloons. Like you know how chicken they have that kind of gulla gullas. That's what I call them. Yeah, yeah. Gulla around the neck. The neck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The hanging. Yeah. So I was hanging like red balloons filled with rice. Like so. Oh, that's. So I mean, great. originally I wanted to put like condoms or something a little bit gross, <laughs> but then I was like, mm, I wonder how out there they wanted me to go with this. Uh, um, we've answered. I mean, we're answering well, questions I mean, left, right, and centre. Yeah. But um. There's also there's also <laughs> another one which uh, me and well my colleagues worked on uh, predominantly, but we had to as part of that Saudi job which mm. was making these animals, um, we weren't allowed to have um, how should I put this any parts, genital parts on any of the animals. Okay. And we couldn't understand this. We were like this 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 is educational yeah, this for is children. Going They're going to grow up thinking that a horse has no bits. Wow. And the horse didn't have any bits, in fact. And the tight, the lion didn't have any bits. And the more funnier one that we couldn't hide was the baboon. Because and that is very... He, 
Obvious. Yeah. So so we decided uh, to make um, um, well a, a piece that was detachable and they could add it later if they changed their mind. Oh my so it was goodness. very weird. To, That's an incredible foresight yeah. on, your, on your part. Yeah. So we had to package the bit separate. <laughs> so <laughs> baboon bum. This yeah. is this package. No, it, um, it was the front section. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, that that's quite baffling. I mean, yeah, that is um, really interesting. <laughs> and I suppose that's one of those times where your artistic sort of like is compromised a little bit because you're like, well, I, I want to create something that's going to do the job well. And this automatically is sort of, mm, do you know what I mean? Disabling that slightly if you're not doing it true yeah, to form. Yeah, it's always that thing of, isn't it? Trying to work out what the client wants, yeah. uh, trying to um, come up with your own mm-hmm. uh, flair to mm-hmm. it. Um, stay within the budget, the time, and sometimes like the limitations, whether you get planning permission to make it that way mm. or is it going to be a problem to do it in this? Is mm. that going to be too... Can people touch it? Is it too spiky here? Mm. You know what I mean? Like help. Totally. So... Um, yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, that kind of leads on into what I was going to ask about working collaboratively. I mean, you are freelancers, as you said, like you, you do projects with your kind of set mm. of clients, but then obviously these, there's big projects. Do you find that you have to compromise a lot? Is that really hard or is um, you just pleased to kind of be part of something? You mean uh, my relationship with other work with colleagues? Yeah, colleagues and also, um, I guess, the big dogs that are giving the briefs that you, that must be a little bit tricky. Um, no, I think it's all right. Mm. I mean, I think, okay, well, Look, well, most of the places that I work in were all freelancers. So mm-hmm. there can be, if it's got a bad vibe to that working place, it's the, there's a bit of sort of competition there. Um, right. But that's a different area. And I have, and it can, I mean, I have had some odd results when we had to sculpt some pandas for a cruise ship. <laughs> I'm going to not, I'm going to not say any names of anything great. here. Okay. And, and we had to bang out about three, four different pandas. And right. I um, was going away on holiday afterwards. So I had to finish my pandas, but we had another colleague doing another panda. And of course the two styles of sculpting were very mm-hmm. different. So that was quite tricky trying to match that up. Mm-hmm. But we kind of learned from that. Um, really what you should be doing is, is you do the nose on this one, you do the nose on that yes. one, I'll do the ears on that one, you yeah, do yeah. the ears, you know, so it blends. Yeah, um, has, and I was like, yeah. no, this is my panda, because I became yeah. possessive well, of my panda. Well, there's an authorship over your work when you're an artist. Yeah, and, and you want to be yeah, recognised for it. And a sense of pride it. and totally. So that can, and now that mm. I um, sort of more manage projects, like I'm a sculptor as well, but mm. I, when I need other help, I know that, really the best thing is that we work together and blend it in yeah but there's still the part of there's oh, the artist 100%. in me like no no i want to do my bit and That's i want to really be recognized no i totally get that so yeah. i did uh we did a, a, a minky whale which is quite like as a whale mm-hmm. yeah, it's a big thing it's a big project it's a big project <laughs> and you had to have two people on it you yeah. know um so we were that was a good uh, i worked really well with that colleague so it was quite yes. easy to be like right i'm doing the tale yeah yeah, yeah. But you this. came from it knowing yeah. obviously how how that yeah can sometimes not work yeah so we kind of blended that fine mm-hmm. plus he was a very easy person to work with. yeah 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 but, okay we'll say we'll say no more we'll say no more yeah, uh yeah. but no I, that's that's so true actually when you have to do when you do a project and of course as an artist you'll be like this is my work i'm proud yeah. of it we you know that's where you get your validation from and then yeah. you're, but you're also like oh it's half another person like, no, yeah it's kind of tricky I yeah it. i think yeah. starting out that's definitely mm. trying to get um trying to get Peter, you're obviously your superiors to recognize that you're you're a good worker mm-hmm. that you make good stuff it's really hard to stand out without being annoying because then um 
because you, you want your superiors to recognize your work but you also have to be part of a team to mm. get this the best result mm-hmm. you know um, so starting out th- there's a bit of a trying to get a foothold yeah totally I, yeah. I, and, and it's something that you wouldn't think of again but of course there's of course there's politics in any workplace yeah. aren't there unfortunately yeah, there um, but I totally understand that um I mean again we've kind of talked a bit about this but how do you approach a project I mean I suppose that depends on the project but you mentioned that you do have to look into how an animal might behave or move if you're doing an animal sculpture Um, Um, I mean it depends because I do quite a lot of varied things Mm. Um, a lot of my you know often I'm learning Mm. teaching myself how to do something before Mm but uh, yeah, when it comes to the animals, we I spend a fair amount of time looking at actually videos more, mm. seeing how they move. Especially, I do end up doing a lot of birds, so mm-hmm. a lot of the wing movements of how they fly. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, what other things? Uh, I guess just research, I suppose, on, on the object or the thing you're doing. Yeah, it makes total I mean, sense. I mean, I mean, I had to do uh, an odd prop for a theatre, which was a sort of. They wanted a, a comedy horse made out of, you know, the kind of uh, chair legs of a table. Yeah. So it was cobbling together, but trying to make it funny. So it was a lot of sourcing bits and pieces. Sure. I like as well how you're like trying to be really creative and you're using, you know, your incredible skills, but you're also learning and teaching. And like, there's a lot going on in that yeah, kind of a project. Interesting. You have to be able to think on your feet. Yeah, you have to be able to think on your feet. Pun not intended. Or, or, like or your table legs. <laughs> also, like, so you know, problem like material problem solving mm. is the cooler way of saying it. One hundred percent. That is absolutely fascinating. Or calling up a mate and going, um, "What the heck <laughs> do I do here?" But yeah. that's so true. I think a lot of people that have. Um, that do not work in the creative industry will um that might absolutely panic the heck like Im- imagine not only having to be creative on demand but also something you've never done before that's yeah for a big company that can yeah. sort of change their mind yeah. or do you know that the pressure of that is i think is a lot. i think um you that used to give me a lot of anxiety in the beginning mm. because it used to be difficult for me to go uh, to budget to go these materials are going to cost x mm-hmm. i've got this amount of time is that actually feasible um, mm-hmm. um i don't even know what it is that i'm doing mm-hmm. um so um yeah i think in the beginning now i kind of go okay that's that's going to take me that long we're going to need those sort of materials mm-hmm. we're going to need to get hold of them that's going to take that long as well mm-hmm. um yeah so uh slightly more chilled about it yeah, now yeah yeah but you've been doing it and doing it very well for for a while now. So yeah. I guess uh, that's it. Yeah, absolutely. Practice makes perfect. Uh, well, again, this is probably a very subjective question, but how long do projects tend to take? I mean, you've been uh, working in Bristol. I don't know if I'm allowed. Am I allowed to say Bristol? We'll cut this out if I can say Bristol. <laughs> we'll just say we're, you've been working elsewhere. Yeah, elsewhere. Uh, <laughs> I've been away on a project in the West Country. Yes, yes. You've been away on a project in the West Country for a while now. So that's obviously quite a big project. Yes, it um, is. Do you kind of subsidise with little projects as well? or? Um, that? No, that one's not necessary. Well, I mean, it's a time thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, I do... Um, do small, pro- not smaller, but quick turnaround jobs mm. in my studio while working on these longer projects. Mm. Uh, so these kind of these larger animal projects tend to be around well um, from a couple, about three weeks to a month. Mm-hmm. The animal, but they'll normally want a couple, mm-hmm. um, so I can be with uh, a company for a couple of months. Mm. Um, 
the other jobs that I do in my studios tends to be quick turnaround jobs. So they are for commercials like mm. Mitsubishi. They are things like... Um, can so you, The whole, can you make this quick? Yeah. And can, can you make you it make, good? Yeah. <laughs> but they tend to pay rather well mm. um, because, well... Yeah, because of their industry, but also because of the quick turnaround. And they're asking nature. you to drop everything and focus on. Yeah, that, so. That's yeah, enticing, I, doesn't it? Yeah. I so I found, I found. Oh my! I forgot to tell you that one actually. I was got that talk about funny, funny props. Go on, go on. Um, it was always a good time I for had, a story. I had to make, I had to make two big heads for the BBC for, um, you know, Ainsley Harriet and Greg yeah. James Again, on I the see, radio. Yeah, I, yeah. I see. And they had to wear well. their heads and dance around, and that was uh, through uh, a contact who comes back to me for things. <laughs> And the funniest thing is I got roped in to the actual filming advert and I ended up being in the pepper pot singing. Uh, and they just said, oh, c- we're short of a person. Can you do this? I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? And they That's paint my amazing. face red. I have to stick my head out of a paper, oh, uh, pepper my pot. Goodness. Uh, that was absolutely hilarious. So we're all YouTubing that after we've heard yeah. this on the radio now. Yeah. We're going to watch the advert again, <laughs> refresh our memory on that one. Oh my goodness. Um, so that was like a, a quite quick turnaround job. Yeah. And I had to do that out of hours of my normal job because, mm. you know. Um, but I do have a good working relationship with MDM, so I can multitask. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, the small turnaround jobs, they can, they can just even be a couple of days. Mm. Um, yeah, that is it. It must be quite nice to um, uh, work on some big projects, and then when you kind of get a little bit bored of it, you can go to some yeah. small projects and sort of alternate. That must be quite nice. Yeah. Um, right. We are sadly running out of time. <laughs> uh, what projects? Well, I was going to say what are you working on at the moment, but you might be yeah, able to no. not discuss. No. Yeah, Next can't, question. Can't. Top um, secret. Lots, <laughs> lots of famous names. Uh, you'll find out at oh some my point. God. If you're not, if so. you're listening right now and you're not fascinated by Sophia, then you've, <laughs> you've listened to something different. Uh, where? can listeners go to find out more about you and what you're up to uh that would be my website mm-hmm. so that's sdr creates so short for my name sophia daily racine fantastic sophia thank you so much for talking to me you're today welcome. lovely chatting with you that is all we've got time for this afternoon thank you for listening to art then and now with me anna gammons to contact the show please visit art then and now on instagram where you can dm me and there will be sneaky peeks as to what's coming up next week see you next week at 3 30 on residence 104.4 fm